I'm going to be preaching out of the book of Matthew. Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Matthew 15, 21 through 28. I've titled this sermon, A Mother's Faith. A Mother's Faith. This is an interesting point in, in the book of Matthew. It's beautiful to see how the goal of what Matthew is doing, if you look at it from a big picture, he's writing to people who are in chaos right now. He's writing to people who saw their beloved city fall and what they thought was going to be the end of Christianity. They couldn't make sense of why Jerusalem was going to be was sacked by the Romans, sieged and sacked by the Romans. They're trying to make sense. Well, Jesus said he was going to restore the kingdom. Is he really going to is he really the king? Is he really in control? Is he really in charge? Matthew is trying to, Matthew writes this, a, a gospel of Jesus, to his, his gospel of Jesus, to assure everyone that Jesus is the king. Jesus is still on his throne. His throne is not an earthly one, but a heavenly one. And we see some great wisdom. When we understand that about the context here, we see some great wisdom in this, in this uh, mother's faith. Throughout the book of Matthew, there's been points where Jesus has been, I don't want to say frustrated, because I don't know if he could be frustrated, but when he's dealing with the disciples and their unbelief, there was a point in just a chapter ago when they were fearing for their lives. Jesus told Peter to come out on the water. Jesus, he didn't, you could tell by the interaction that Jesus didn't believe it, but Peter didn't believe it was Jesus. She began to sank on the water. You see, Jesus begins to rebuke them. You of little faith. When it pertaining to matters of belief and faith, we see an emotion rise from Jesus. Either a good one or a bad one. We see it in, in, the, in the story of the bleeding woman. She comes and just, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. She touches it. The crowd is pressing in. He touches it. But he knows she does it because she possesses faith. This woman here that we're going to see is going to teach a lesson to the, to the disciples about faith. I love this interaction here. When I used to read the Gospels as a, as a young man, I used to be like, well, that's just another generic story, just like every other one. Okay, Jesus heals a young girl that's, that has a demon. Okay, uh, what, what's different from the other ones? But it's the clues. It's the, it's the details that makes a whole lot of difference. And to the, first, the readers in the first century, they would really, they'd really key in on some of these details. So as we go through it, we're going to look at some of those details. And we're going to see why this woman's faith was so great. What was the, what was the great teachable moment that Jesus had with his disciples? Something that stuck with them for years and years to come to where he's, this is being written in, in maybe 70 A.D., 40 years after and this is a memorable moment. Um, so it's, it's, it's incredible when we talk about mothers, what a mother's touch can do. I can remember when, when you talk about the physical touch of a mother, I can remember as a young man being in church, and as I was not interested in the sermon, I did like singing. I did, I did enjoy the hymns sing, and, and we would sing, and, and then when the sermon time would come, I would lay down. Hope you. You know, I'd lay down, my mom right on her lap, and, uh, and I would go to sleep. I mean, it was, it was literally sleep time for the message, especially on Sunday night. I mean, I was, I was a very, very uh, 
very young person. I think I was 18, 19 when I would do this. No, uh, but I, I can remember that. And I can just remember the touch of my mom and it just being so comforting and so soothing. Uh, it's beautiful to see that, you know. As a man, I can, I, I can tell when my children are response to, to my touch. I, I rub their back, I rub the back of their hair. But ultimately, it, I end up getting rough with them. When I t- put Jenny to bed, I, I'm, I'm, it's my duty now to put Jenny to bed. I give her her cup. And we're going there, and instead of giving her this warm caress or anything like that, I squeeze her real hard. And I say, I, I want those endorphins to kick in. I want you to feel a hug from me. I want you to feel a strong hug from me. I want you to say, Daddy's got me. It's a beautiful thing, the touch of a mother, what a touch of a mother can bring. And stuff that I remember fondly. The word of a mother, too, sometimes is, is, is all we need. Sometimes when I would come home from school, even to this day, when I'm frustrated with things, my mom gives me a word that's so kind and so loving, and she's always got my back, and I love it. It's a beautiful thing. When we see this, uh, we see this throughout Scripture about a mom's impact. We see it in the New Testament. Timothy's, uh, Timothy's faith, faith at First Timothy is credited by Paul because of the legacy that his grandmother and his mother left in his life. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of the impact of a mother can have influence in this young pastor's life. Mom, you're important. You're very important. And although as children sometimes we may want to rebel, we may want to get away, we may not want to, and, and I've been there too, we love you. And we thank you for everything you do. Keep being mom to us. Because it said that you, you could be a mother. If you're a mother, you could be a mother to little children. If you're better, you could, you're going to be a mother to bigger children. If you're better, you're going to be a mother to, uh, to teenagers and, 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 and college agers. And if you're, you're the best, you're going to be a mother to adults. To be a mother to an adult, my mom is still a mom to me. Thank you, mothers. So Jesus is leaving Jerusalem for, uh, he's leaving the Jerusalem Judea area for a place called uh, of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon, not a part of the Jewish area. Tyre and Sidon is is up on the uh, northwest coast of the Mediterranean Sea, uh, from 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 where Jesus was heading. Jesus was leaving his Jewish folks, but he was also coming up there to preach the gospel to others, and some of his the Jewish folks who are scattered up there. And he was confronted by Pharisees down there, and there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of, of, of fighting. Remember, when I preached last time, they didn't want to go back to Judea because they said, Jesus, they were trying to kill you when you went back there. This is probably that same time when they're trying to kill Jesus. They go up to Tyre and Sidon. Um, and so let's, that brings us to our text here in Matthew 15, 21. It says there, Jesus left there and he withdrew to an area of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came, uh, from that region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely tormented by a demon. Jesus did not say a word to her. His disciples approached him and urged him, Send her away because she is crying out after us. He replied, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. Jesus answered, It isn't right to take the children's bread and to throw it to dogs or to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. 
Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus then replied to her, Woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, and from that moment uh, her daughter was healed. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the testimony of this, of this mother. Lord, I pray that we possess the faith that this woman possessed. Lord, and that we come to you as our Savior. Lord, to deal with something that's far worse than a demon. Lord, as we deal with life and death. Lord, be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The first point here I want us to get out of this passage, and it's a harsh point because you see how the passage is. Christ owed nothing to this Canaanite mother. Christ owed nothing to this Canaanite mother. As... I'm shocked when reading, when hearing what you hear about Jesus and reading this passage, Jesus seems pretty harsh, especially almost through the whole passage. He seems pretty harsh to her. The people of Tyre and Sidon were considered wicked people. Uh, they were prophesied against. If you read Isaiah 23 and Ezekiel 28, you'll see that those prophets prophesied against these folks. They prophesied that they were going to fall, that their kingdoms were going to fall. They were little city-states at that time. They were able to keep their independence through all these different empires that were going to come, and eventually they would, they would, they would fall and be judged. Sure enough, Alexander the Great comes in, uh, and, and he, uh, he takes those places. Uh, but they were considered wicked people. They were considered under God's judgment. They were, uh, Canaanites were associated with Baal worship and pagan practices. If you were to read the Bible, in the beginning of the Bible, as, they, as these folks were coming to take the promised land, there was an order to wipe out the people in the promised land because of the corruption and because of the idol worship and because of the, um, the, the terrible practices that they were doing, the sacrifice and the child sacrifice, all these different things. The Canaanites were associated with Baal worship. If anything you know about Baal in the Old Testament, if you remember the story of Elijah in Mount Carmel, all the prophets of Baal, con- Baal converged, all, and in one man of God, I, uh, Elijah was there. And they had a contest, and Elijah's like, let's see who God, who's God responds. He goes, pray to, we'll both build an altar, then we'll pray to our God, you pray to Baal, I'll pray to God, and we'll see which altar is consumed by fire. Isaiah, I mean, uh, Elijah let them do what they were going to do. Let them pray. They, they did all kinds of, of crazy things just trying to get Baal to, uh, to respond. I, uh, Elijah even mocks them, saying, hey, Baal must be sleeping. He must not hear you. He might be on holiday. He might be on vacation. Isaiah, uh, Elijah, I'm sorry, douses his altar with water. And then prays to God, and God consumes his sacrifice. From then on, from then, Elijah was hunted by Jezebel and Ahab. Jezebel was the queen that Ahab had taken as a wife. She was a Baal worshiper. She introduced Baal worship into the, the city of Jerusalem. Even in the New Testament, Jezebel is mentioned. She had that big of an impact on, on the people of uh, on the people of Israel, that she had that big of an impact that even in the New Testament, they mention her as a divisive person and as a person that people emulate to bring division among folks. Jezebel and Ahab hunted Elijah. 
Not only those, were those things counted against her. So when they heard, when the early church would hear a Canaanite woman, those two things that they would think of, and then they would just see her fact that she's a woman. And this makes me cringe every time because in my mind it's like that's not right that somebody would be considered less because of, uh, of being a, a woman or a man or whomever for, for whatever those things are. But in this day and age, for these folks, they considered her less. So really, as his disciples reacted, the disciples acted typically towards it. Look at what verse 24, uh, look, I mean, look at what, uh, what verse 23. Jesus did not say a word to her, but he knew what was going on. His disciples approached him and urged him, send her away because she is crying out after us. They acted typically. They acted in a way that probably is not... Um, far off from what they were expected, how they were expected. We see the disciples do this in a few occasions. We see this happen when kids, when children come up to Jesus, and they try to send the children away, and Jesus is like, no, I'm going to teach you a lesson about the kingdom of God. They try to send um, blind people and, 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 and people who have infirmities away. But Jesus teaches us about faith. In this passage, the disciples acted Typically, and Christ owed her nothing. He would have been right to not say anything, but he wants to show what the kingdom of God is about. Not that he would have been right not saying anything, but he was just acting according to what was expected of him. I love the song that Casting Crowns does, uh, Does Anybody Hear Her? If anybody's ever seen this song, they have a lyric in the song that says, Under the shadow of our steeple, all these lost and lonely people searching out for our hope that's real in us today. As I look and as I, as I come here on the weekends every now and then, as I see people walking back and forth, I, that song reminds me of that. Uh, one of my former churches is in a neighborhood, and that neighborhood has increasing foot traffic, and it's... It's amazing to see these folks coming to and from. You know, you, you know some of them. You know what they're into. And it, and it breaks my heart. There's, there's a need to hear the gospel. There's a need to bring the gospel to others. Christ does not owe us anything. But the beauty of, of, of Jesus is that he laid down his life for us. Ephesians 2 says, we were dead in trespasses and sin. We're cut off from what God wanted because of sin. But Jesus shows us a great, great, uh, great, great thing in this passage. Verse 2, I mean, the second thing, we saw Christ owes nothing to this Canaanite uh, mother. The second thing is Christ, the Canaanite mother showed great faith in Jesus. Uh, verses 24 through 27, he replied, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. He answered, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She showed great faith. When we see, when we look throughout scripture, we see the th- that matters of faith is what really gets Jesus, Jesus' emotion. When someone says something great, when someone says a, a, a profession of faith, we see Jesus 
answer, we see Jesus excited. When, Jesus, when Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, he says, flesh and blood has not, uh, not revealed this to you. G- Peter professed, he showed great faith. Just a few verses later, he calls Peter Satan. He's, because Peter didn't believe what he was saying. He, he told Peter, I'm going to be delivered over. I'm going to suffer things. I'm going to be handed over to the cross. Peter said, basically, my paraphrase, over my dead body you're going to be. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Matters of faith get Jesus excited and get Jesus angry. We see it here when she says, son of David. He recognizes that Jesus is identified as the Jewish Messiah, as the king. She showed persistence in coming to Jesus. As they tried to send her away, she only was more persistent. Even, she was even able to take an insult so that, she, so that Jesus would hear her. Her faith took her to step out. It took action. It took, uh, it took bravery to do what this lady did. And Jesus noticed her faith. So Christ owed nothing to this Canaanite mother. The Canaanite mother showed great faith in Jesus. And then lastly, the Canaanite mother's faith set a great example. Parents, we are examples to our children. How we deal with things is an example to them. And it's a tough example. As we reflect on Mother's Day, mothers, your faith, the way you live your life is an example to young people. The Canaanite mother's faith was a great example to those. He, he tells her in, this, in, in verse 28, Jesus replied to her, Woman, your faith is great. Remember, just a chapter ago, he's rebuking the disciples who had been there with him for all the time because they had no faith. And yet this woman's faith is great. This story was the only thing shared about in Jesus' ministry in Tyre and Sidon. Before this verse, he's going to Tyre and Sidon. After this verse, we see him come back to Galilee. But it made enough of an impact on Matthew and and Peter that when the Gospels were, were, were written down, they remember this story. This is an example of what would happen in the early church and the spread of the gospel. You see, although we, we, we've kind of established that, you know, maybe Jesus owed her nothing, we see the beautiful heart of a loving, of a loving Savior in Jesus. He loves you. He loves each and every one of us here. No matter where we come from, no matter who we are, and no matter what, we done. If, this, if every stereotype was right about this Canaanite, this Canaanite mother, that didn't change the fact that Jesus loved her. It's amazing when we see in the, in, in the Bible, we see, we see these folks making an example for all of us on what it means to live by faith. Jesus says, if you don't come like a little child... You can't enter my kingdom. The Canaanite mother. If you don't have the faith of this Canaanite mother, you can't enter my kingdom. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how big of a leader you are. I don't care how well you could speak, how well you could play an instrument, how many friends you have, even the good deeds that you've done. If you come by faith in Jesus Christ, 
I can just imagine as this text is, is written down, I can imagine this lady on her knees begging for the life of her daughter, begging that her daughter be delivered from something, having a mother's faith. And I can, I can just see the attention on her as this happens. This is, this is a passage I feel like that needs to be read dynamically. Almost in a dismissive tone. Almost in a, I was only sent to the lost house of Israel. I can, I can, I can sense the disciples' haughtiness of saying, finally, he's going to rid himself of this, of this pagan woman. And then she says, uh, and then, and then she says, um, Lord help me. I love that simple prayer that she shares right there. Not, nothing elegant, nothing that would even change his mind. Just have pity on me. Answer me. He answers, isn't it right to take, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And I think that that was the point where, where these disciples, everyone was kind of pressed in to see what was going to happen. And as she says, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I can imagine when she said that. And, and I, I don't want to add to the text. I just, want to, I just want to build the intensity here. This woman is desperate. It's only, this, Jesus is her only hope. I could see him looking down at her with that compassion that we talked about Wednesday night. I could see her looking at her. This woman's got it. All of you guys are trying so hard. This, what this woman said, she possesses great faith. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. I can see the love of Jesus Christ radiating out in the words that he says, Woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, her daughter was healed. You see, it isn't about all that we've done or all we can do. It's about putting our trust in Jesus Christ. When we talk about putting faith in Jesus, it's not to be delivered from a demon. It's not to be delivered uh, to have a, a, a big house. It's not to be healthy and wealthy. But it's that we're all condemned to death. Because of our sins. And Jesus died on the cross so that we may have a relationship with him for eternity. I hope that you respond in faith. That you would have the same faith as her. If you do have the same faith as her, if, 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 if your soul is, is good, I want you to worship Jesus just with that knowledge. Have you trusted Christ? Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this woman. I thank you for her, her testimony. Lord, I just pray that as we reflect on, on, on you 